Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's Scripture Reflections. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. Pope Francis has overhauled the structure of one of the oldest bodies within the Vatican, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. Pope Francis made some big changes within the Vatican's Doctrine Office, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, or the CDF for short, this week. The Pope declares that the congregation will now be divided into two sections, a doctrinal section concerned with promoting and protecting church teaching, and a disciplinary section to handle crimes committed within the church. We'll talk about the restructuring and what it reveals about the role that doctrine plays in evangelization. The Pope said the exercise of discernment finds a necessary application in the fight against abuses of all kinds, and that with God's help, the Church is resolutely pursuing her commitment to bring justice to the victims of abuse by her members. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from uh, wet and cold Rome, Colina. Again. Yes, yes. The temperatures have dropped, mm-hmm. but the COVID situation has improved. So on Monday, February 14th, Pope Francis issued a motu proprio, that is, a decree that he makes of his own accord, called Preserving the Faith. And in it, the Pope restructured the Vatican's central doctrine office, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which is also the office that investigates sexual abuse cases that get reported to Rome. With this change, the discipline part of the congregation will become its own section with its own secretary, separate from the doctrine section. And the Doctrine section will have an updated purview that's geared more towards evangelization. But Jerry, before we get into the changes, I want to establish with you what the CDF is and how we got here, because this used to be the Inquisition office in the Vatican. So how has that evolved? Well, first of all, it was the the Inquisition, the Roman Inquisition, Universal Inquisition. In other words, they were going after heretics. Then with the change of name to the Holy Office, they is down a little on the going after heretics and witches and what have you. And they began to focus more specifically on writings, on teachings, on doctrinal questions. Historically, up to really the beginning of the the year 2000, the congregation was focused more on doctrine. But then with the explosion of the abuse crisis— the whole system was shaken up in the congregation, and it had to move and focus on the discipline question. This may be a basic question, but why was it the CDF that handled these abuse cases? Historically, they dealt with delicts or crimes that were against the sacraments. The Pope, uh, John Paul II, entrusted the congregation to deal with these crimes because it's touching the priesthood is touching sacred orders and how that is exercised. And so suddenly, 
from a congregation which was focused four to five hundred years on the question of heresy, schism, doctrinal questions, etc. It had to shift its resources to the question of dealing with the abuse case. What the Pope has actually done is got the congregation to breathe with two lungs. The doctrinal sector was, as it were, one lung breathing well. The discipline section was very weak. But it had to suddenly deal with the greatest, possibly the greatest challenge to the church in in these 500 years. What Francis has done is boosted the disciplinary sector. To kind of accord with the importance that it's had in the last, what, 20 years. Absolutely. And this is why I said two lungs. I think that captures the image best of all, because it was as if you had one lung that was really functioning well and the other that was up to 20 years ago that was really a little underdeveloped, if you wish. And suddenly this has become a real powerful lung. Right. And that that lung, that discipline department that's looking into abuse cases has been really overwhelmed. This disciplinary section has a backlog of more than 4,500 cases of abuse to deal with. And if you count that there are 18 officials, it means that each official has 250 cases to deal with. Now, you don't deal with a case in a day. Right. How exactly does the CDF deal with abuse cases? What What are they doing? Are they investigating or just kind of receiving complaints and making the decisions about dismissing people from the priesthood? How does it work? It's a quite a complex and wouldn't require much more than the few minutes we have here. But every bishop who now receives an allegation of abuse has to inform the congregation providing some information as well. And the congregation will then say, look, you have to go ahead. You have to examine it. And they will also be looking at the documentation themselves. If the bishop then comes to a conclusion that this priest has to be removed from the priesthood, this question comes to the congregation. The priest, if he's removed, can also appeal to the congregation. So the congregation has also got an appeals court, as it were, and they call it an appeals commission which will listen to the appeal from the priest that would be dismissed for reinstatement or a challenge to the decision of his bishop. Got it. So it's handling a lot of different aspects of of this problem. I I think uh, it's very important to see that what Francis has done is very significant because it's giving full power authority to this office to deal with the question. Would you say it didn't have that full power and authority before? I guess my question here is, does restructuring and and saying that there will be two secretaries clear up this problem of the backlog? When this section, the discipline section, will have its own chief manager, he will be able to assess whether he's got enough human resources to deal with the questions. Because the fact that you have a backlog of 4,500 cases, the fact that you're getting 1,000 per year coming in, the fact that you have 18 officials to deal with these, that's 250 cases per official, it's obvious that this is inadequate human resources. So this is a, a major issue that will have to be dealt with very quickly because the the slowness in dealing with cases is really a problem for the victims in the first place, and it's a problem for the church in the second place. Absolutely. Jerry, there's one more new thing in Pope Francis' motu proprio this week. The discipline section now also becomes responsible for training to prevent abuse. What does that look like? 
it says very tactfully, it says the one of the tasks of the con- of the section is to promote opportune initiatives for formation of bishops and those working in the law and the church. So in other words, canon lawyers. It's fundamental. How is this a change? Because if the discipline section is not able to ensure the decrees of the Pope and the decrees of the congregation are being implemented, or that the bishops know how to implement them, Every year, there's a training session for new bishops, and they come to Rome, and there's a big training session. It's been nicknamed Baby Bishop School. (laughs) Baby Bishop School, yes. And one of the tasks is to uh, instruct and clarify and train them. And this responsibility will be now of the congregation. So the congregation will be monitoring, I would suspect. You talked a little bit about how the disciplinary section was kind of undercooked. It has had this backlog for years. So I wonder why Francis decided to make this change now and have it go into effect immediately. Colleen, you've got to understand that the disciplinary section is dealing with the most urgent issue facing the church today. And 1,000 new cases on average are arriving in that office each year. So it's absolutely clear to everybody, to those in the office and to the Pope Francis, who is observing from outside, but getting briefed every week on what the office is doing, uh, it is clear to them that uh, structural changes was needed, but he also needs to put in new people. And he wanted to do the changes before he appoints the new people. He's already transferred the former secretary of the congregation some weeks ago and appointed him to an Italian diocese. So now there is no secretary. And the prefect of this congregation is likely leaving soon. He's 78 years old. His term of office will finish at the end of June, the 1st of July. And given that he is 78 in April, everybody believes that he will be replaced. And I think also, I'm speculating, but on the nature of things, it's an office that you can't leave vacancies for too long. Got it. So the Pope really sees this as being urgent. It is dealing with the biggest crisis that the church has had in these last centuries. Because as we see, the abuse question over the last 40 years, but really over the last 20 years, has come center stage and has so disrupted the missionary thrust of the church. It's thrown the credibility of the church into question. It is the most serious issue that the church is facing today. In the past, the church faced persecution at the beginning of this last century, and in the first half of the last century, it faced persecution from the communists, from the Nazis, and from other repressive regimes. But now its worst enemies are within the church itself. After the break, how a new vision for the CDF's doctrine side will shift the former Inquisition office toward evangelization. Stay with us. So in addition to the restructuring, this appointment of two secretaries that we're talking about, there are also some changes in sort of the direction of the doctrine section in particular. Jerry, how would you describe it? Well, substantially, it is much as it has been before. Its task is 
to promote doctrine, to ensure that there is right doctrine in the church, orthodox teaching, to en enable better understanding of the faith in the light of the developments in society and in the culture, and in the light of science as well. Now, John Paul II had touched on this, but Francis has gone a little deeper, I think, in suggesting that the whole of the work of the congregation is for the purpose of evangelization, to help the work of evangelization by clarifying questions relating to the faith, relating to morals, and relating to the challenges that are coming from the progress of science and the changes in the culture of the different countries. That sounds like a really open-ended thing. So what are some of those changes that are raised by society? I mean, we talk all the time about how society would like to see the Vatican behave differently on LGBT issues or in terms of you know, women's role in the church. Is it going to be taking on those questions? Well, obviously, for example, on the question of LGBT, the development of science and the understanding of the human person has thrown new light on understanding the LGBT question. And the doctrine of the faith will try to clarify this for people, which will perhaps be different from some of the statements that we've received in the past. Also, in you're dealing with major changes in the world due to artificial intelligence, to new developments in science, in terms of procreation, in terms of end of life. We have a whole lot of these questions that the congregation will be asked. And this new direction that you talk about this congregation taking sounds so different from a lot of what people associate with the CDF, you know, the disciplining of theologians or even going back to the Inquisition. How much of a change is this for them? It is, uh, I think, quite a significant change. Already under John Paul II in 1997, the congregation issued under Cardinal Ratzinger guidelines or instructions for how to deal with theologians whose works are perceived as somehow problematic. It could be pioneering till theologians who are, you know, pushing the envelope uh, further than has been the case up to date. Right. And this has happened to a number of well-known theologians like Roger Haight, Hans Kung, John Sabrino, Leonard Boff, and so on. Yes. And uh, I mean, Yves Congar, Henri de Lubac, right. uh, all of the great names mm -hmm. of the Second Vatican Council. Jacques Dupuy, who you wrote a book about. And Jacques Dupuy was the most recent and most famous case. Now, Jerry, is this that much of a change from what we've had before? Are they not able to do so much of that yet? You see, the church is facing a new situation, especially in Europe and North America, with the emergence of the nuns. Mm -hmm. N-O-N-E-S. Nuns. How do you pronounce it? No, yeah, just N-O-N-E-S. We have to make clear that we're not talking about sisters. With the uh, emergence of whole generation of people who profess no faith. Mm -hmm. And the, the Pope is very keen that the doctrinal section will help the church to reach out to those people who do not see the relevance of faith to their lives. And it will try to encourage thinking, to encourage new ways of trying to present the doctrine to reach these people. And this is a very fundamental task because in Europe now, the N-O-N-E-S, the nuns, are 
becoming a significant part of the population. We've seen in Germany the statistics recently. Even in the United States, the former Catholics are the second largest religious group in the country. Yes, the question of the abuse and the question of the detachment for the church are also linked. Mm -hmm. But also the question of presenting doctrine in a way that people don't see, understand it or see its relevance to their life. Francis is very conscious that the church has an enormous task to develop this whole area, to find new ways of presenting the gospel. The name of, the, of this decree of the Pope is preserving the faith. So the whole aim of the restructuring is to enable the church to carry out its evangelization and mission. To do that, it has two tasks. One, to deal with the discipline, with the abuse question, which is torpedoing the real possibility of evangelization. The second is to develop new thinking in the theological field to enable it to address the challenges that are coming from the world of science, the development of peoples, the cultures, and that are challenges to the church. And we haven't talked about it much, but Pope Francis's broader curia reform, this is a part of that. And all of that is aimed at pointing the central structures of the Vatican towards evangelization. This is his main goal. We talked at the beginning of the show about how the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, this Doctrine and Discipline Office, was the supreme office. And now we know that going forward, the Evangelization Office is going to be the supreme office, the main focus. And we're seeing now that the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith will be focused on that mission as well, supporting it. And so we could be at the beginning of a really exciting time for the CDF, you know, seeing new doctrinal developments or just at least new ways of expressing doctrine to the world. And also this, I think, very encouraging step of focusing on responding to abuse cases, dealing with this backlog, focusing on this central, central issue in the church right now. So, Jerry, thank you so much for talking to me about this today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Colleen. This is a big, very big question, and we will certainly have to come back to it at various moments in the next few months. Right, of course, because as we know, we've created a few new positions. There are going to be people leaving their positions in the CDF, and so we'll talk about this again when new people are coming in. You can read Jerry's report on Pope Francis's overhaul of the CDF at americamagazine.org by following the link in our show notes. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn and Ricardo Da Silva. Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. Production assistance from Kara Hamlin at America Media and Robert Balliser at the Jesuit Curia in Rome. Audio engineering by Kevin Christopher Robles. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org, and you can follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. If you want to support our work here on Inside the Vatican, the best way you can do that is by purchasing a digital subscription to America Magazine. You can do that at americamagazine.org slash subscribe. Thanks. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next time. Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? 
If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections.